I want to start with a verse. It's a simple verse, and yet it, it says everything. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Ouch, sounds terrible. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Verse says it all. We, every one of us, sin, and we deserve to be separated from a pure God, and yet God forgives us, and he paid the price for us to have eternal life. This weekend, we celebrate All Saints Day. In the Lutheran Church, it's celebrated the week after Reformation Day, and it's a time where we commemorate the saints. We commemorate those believers of the church, the ones who have died, the ones who have gone to their reward. And it's a reminder to us that we are saints and sinners at the same time. This evening at 6 o'clock, we have a service that we do every year on this day, and we call it a service of remembrance, and people will come and gather to thank God for those special loved ones that were in their life but have passed on to eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. So what do we know about life, about death, about eternal life? Well, there's a Dr. Harris, and uh, he tells a story about a Christian woman. Wasn't feeling good. He did a bunch of tests. Turned out she has cancer. And with a lot of compassion, he sat and talked with her, and he said, things aren't good. This is a very rare form of cancer. And of course, she asked the question you'd expect her to ask, how long do I have to live? And he responded, about three months. Well, she returned home and she called her pastor who came to visit and she explained the situation and, and, and they prayed a little and then he asked, you know, how are you doing? And she says, I'm okay, but I just don't know how to tell my little boy, Billy. I've tried five different times to get into that and I just don't know how to say it. Would you be willing to tell him for me? Pastor prayed and said, okay. And he went out into the backyard where Billy was playing, and he put his arm around Billy, and he said, Billy, uh, your mom's getting ready to take a very long trip. Well, he didn't quite understand what that meant, and he said, well, I got two questions for you then. Uh, how long will she be gone, and when's she going to leave? Well, the pastor swallowed pretty hard, and he said, Billy, mom's not going to come back. And then he looked up at the tree out in the yard, and it was the beginning of September, and the leaves were starting to change colors. And he said, Billy, you see those leaves? When the leaves all fall off of the tree, that's when Mom's going to be gone. Well, about three months went by, and Pastor came back to visit and pray with this lady. She had lost a lot of weight, barely can get out of bed anymore. And he asked how she was, and she put on a fake smile and said, I'm doing okay, but... I don't see Billy very much anymore. He just keeps going out and playing in the backyard. And I'm so weak, I can't even go to the window to check on him. Would you check in and see how he's doing? Well, the pastor went in the backyard. He couldn't find him. Billy, Billy, Billy. He couldn't find him. And then all of a sudden, he heard a voice in the tree above him. It was Billy. Pockets are full of leaves, strings in his hand, trying to tie the leaves back onto the tree. And he told the pastor, I don't want the leaves to fall. I don't want mama to leave me. Maybe you have been in a similar tree, trying to be able to beat death somehow. And you learn the reality is that you can't stop it. 
And we're reminded of it daily. You put on the news and we get these uh, COVID numbers of how many people have died today. Uh, You watch long enough, you'll see all the people that have died of overdoses or suicides or cancer and on and on and on. And and, and because of Christ and what he did, you don't have to fear death. The big idea that I want us to look at today, let me get this on here, that I don't want to look at today is the fact that we don't have to hope for some vague afterlife, right? I mean, we're not going to be cloud hopping down in the future, but we can focus on the resurrection of the body and life everlasting with Christ. I remember back in 2015, Pastor Shanks was still here. He was our worship pastor, and uh, he came up with a sermon series we were going to use on the Apostles' Creed. And we found out that it has every single basic foundations of our church, but it also was a reminder, just like Pastor John when he just did the the Lord's Prayer sermon series, we say it so often we miss all of the points that are in there, some of the key points that are in there. So when we looked at the creed, we realized it starts out saying that we believe in God, the Father Almighty, who's the creator of heaven and earth. And we realize that God made every single thing that was good. And everything he made was good. There was no COVID, no riots, no hatred. Just a sinless relationship between man, creation, and God. And then man sinned. Ruined everything. Now God could have said, okay, that's it. I gave you your choice. I gave you a chance and you blew it. We're done. But see, I don't think God could say that because it's not in his nature. God is love. And so he loves us unconditionally. He can't stand the thought of any one of you not being with him for all eternity. And then we move down to the second article of the creed, which says, how does he do that? How does he make up for the sin that we commit? It's the story of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection for you, for me. It's a sweet gospel. We'd love to hear it. And then in that third article, we moved on to the Holy Spirit and, it, and the work of the Holy Spirit. The church, us. The communion of saints, us. The forgiveness of sins that we have. And then we get to that verse that I really want us to think about. That we believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. Little Billy, in our opening story, learned a tough lesson that someday we're going to die. And we all have to deal with the reality that life is really a terminal disease. And maybe you've wondered, what will happen an instant after you take your last breath? So good, I hope you've asked those questions, because we're going to dig into God's Word, and we're going to figure out what His Word has to say for us. Now, first of us, I want us to realize that Jesus lived He had a human body that he ate, he drank, he slept, he walked, and he died, right? He did die. He was in a tomb to never be seen again. At least that's what some folks thought. But truth be told, we know the joy of the fact that he rose again. So you might say, well, that's pretty foundational. We need to know it's true. How do we know it's true? Well, because a whole bunch of people saw him. He saw him in this post-resurrection glorified body that he had. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 3. For what I receive, I pass on to you of first importance. 
And here it is, folks. Here's the story. That Christ died for your sins according to scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And why do we know it? Because he appeared to Cephas and then the 12. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Some have fallen asleep. So was it a conspiracy? Did all these people make this up? I doubt it. They went to their death because they were proclaiming that they saw the risen Christ. I wish I could have been there. Oh my goodness, I wish I could have been in the room. There's Jesus. He dies He's walking through the wall into the room. They recognize him. They hear him. They see the nail marks. He was dead. And now there he is, alive. And you may say, that's wonderful, but that's God. How about us people? Is there any hope for us? Well, let's look at Lazarus for a minute. Interesting story, right? I'll set the scene. He gets very, very sick. Martha and Mary, they're concerned. They run to get Jesus, thinking he'll come and fix them and heal them. And, well, Jesus comes, but not for quite a while. He continues his ministry, and by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been in the tomb already. People are wailing and grieving their loss. Now, it's interesting, different perspectives. The Sadducees would have said, okay, he's dead. There is no resurrection. This is it. This is all you get. What about Mary and Martha? I wonder what they thought. Well, we see this discord in uh, John 11. Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. How's that for a guilt trip? But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha says, oh, I know you'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. See, they believed in a general resurrection, that on Judgment Day everybody's going to rise, but they had no idea what God was up to, that he was going to bring Lazarus back to life right before their eyes. And I might add, by the way, that Lazarus had to die again then, right? I mean, he was human, he was going to die. And we can focus on the fact that we will all rise as well. And then Jesus gives one of these I am statements. They're incredible when he gives them. And and this one is particularly important to us. He explains he's got a better plan for Lazarus, for Mary and Martha, for each one of you, for me. What is the resurrection all about? Jesus has your eternity in mind. Stick your name in that sentence. Jesus has your eternity in mind. And then he says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though he die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Interesting, isn't it? See, the relationship that Jesus wants us to have is to believe in him and then to be his children, children of God. And that doesn't just impact us here on this side of the grave. It impacts us for all eternity. I really love this verse in John 5, 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has, got the word, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed from death to life. It's not a hope someday. You have eternal life through faith. So what do you think about all this? Do you believe it? I mean, I look in the mirror and see this body and think, well, how in the world could this 
end up somehow a glorified body. Well, this whole section in 1 Corinthians kind of helps us understand the fact that God says he's going to take our perishable, weak, sinful bodies. I can see a poster of me on a wall. That fits my description, maybe yours. And he will make them imperishable, glorious, fit to live eternally with God. Yesterday was Halloween. I don't know if you had trick-or-treating in your neighborhood, but it seems like most people are now dressing as dead people, right? I mean, they're the walking dead, they're the ghosts, they're the zombies, they're the skeletons, and, and it's for fun. I mean, it's not real. And yet, God is telling us the truth about death and after death and resurrection from the dead. And he's telling us that it's about real people, real people who are going to get glorified bodies and are going to spend eternity with him. I have the privilege of doing a whole bunch of funerals for people, and, and it is a privilege to do that. But there's a section, and it sounds confusing, and yet it's a very important section. So I'm going to read it. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written comes true. And here it is, death has been swallowed up in victory. We say the Nicene Creed, I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Or in the Apostles' Creed, what do we say? We say, I believe in the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. When you say that, when you believe that, when you know that, it changes every single thing about your life. What it means is you're going to have a clear destiny. I mean, think about this for a minute. It's so incredible. You have victory over sin, death, the devil, how? Simply through faith in Jesus Christ. It's certain. It's going to happen. It's absolute. And knowing that will give you strength even when life isn't fair, when life isn't comfortable, when life is very confusing, when there are relationship issues, when there's isolation, financial storms, job loss, health problems, all kinds of collateral damages from the COVID, scary elections. Through it all, we know that we are blessed and that we win in the end. How do we know we win in the end? Well, the verse that would be for this day, for uh, All Saints Day, is in Revelation 7. These are those who have come out of the great tribulation washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that cool? Think about life here. It's sin-filled. It's filled with pain. It's filled with difficulties. And yet you can look forward to the day with joy, knowing that all of us believers are going to be set free from all of our suffering and made pure and clean through the blood of Jesus. I got this image the other day about... Uh, couldn't be home and so recording a football game. 
Now, before you get home to watch the game, you hear the score and you hear your team wins. Now, you're watching the game, and oh boy, things aren't looking good. Looks like you're going to lose. But you already know the end of the story. You know you win, and so the game's okay. It's the same way with your life. Through Christ, you win in the end. You have won already because you know him. And because of that, you're free to live within God's mission. Did you know that? Do you know you have a mission from God? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. That might be something some of you need to hear. Let nothing move you. And then for all of us, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's a great calling order for each of us. I happen to like the message translation of this verse better. With all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground, don't hold back, throw yourself into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. And it says to throw yourself into the work of the Lord. So, so ask yourself, are you doing that? Are you listening for God to tell you what he wants you to do, who he wants you to reach out to, who he wants you to serve, help, people in need, people that need the gospel? Now, we know this fact, but there's a whole world out there that would disagree with us. There are all kinds of views about what happens when we die. Islams would picture paradise as a as a place where a heroic man's going to have 60 virgin companions for him. Buddhists, well, they don't really believe you have an individual spirit or soul, and, and they're just trying to go through this cycle so that they could end the suffering that is around them. Hindus, well, they think there's this continuous cycle of rebirth through karma. If you're really good, you move up the food ladder. If you're really bad, you move down and you try it again and again and again, and Maybe you'll be a king or queen if you're really good in your last life, and maybe you'll be a rat or an insect if you were bad. Mormons, they think there's these different heavens, different kingdoms, and maybe you'll rule your own planet. A little mini-god you could be. Pop culture is the one we see in the movies all the time where you're a little white robe and you're sitting on a cloud and you're playing the harp for all eternity. What does the Bible say? What does God's truth say to us? Well, as Lutherans, we have a catechism. It takes the Bible verses and brings them into reality for us. It says, at the time of death, the soul of a believer is immediately with Christ in heaven. And if that ain't good enough, it goes on and says that when Christ returns, all the believers will rise with glorified bodies and enter everlasting life in heaven with God. Now again, if you've been to a funeral lately, I almost could guarantee that Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4, was read. I'm going to read it, maybe close your eyes, but listen carefully, and at the end, identify which of those words of hope in here hit you the most, based on your life right now. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, 
God's dwelling places among the people. He will dwell with them. He'll be their people. God himself will be with them and be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. The old order of things have passed away. Doesn't that sound awesome? Can you hardly wait? But I wonder what each person caught out of there to hit them where they are now. Maybe some of you said no crying. Maybe your eyes are just red. You've been crying and crying and crying over some issue in your life. Maybe it's the part about no pain. Maybe physical, emotional pain that you've just been wrestling with. Maybe it's the no mourning. Maybe you lost a loved one. Or maybe you're mourning the loss of a job or, or a relationship or a dream. How about the part about God wiping away every tear from your eyes? Isn't that a great image? For me, it's the part about God being with us, us being with God face to face. We're going to celebrate Christmas, and of course we think of Emmanuel, God with us. Not just from that little manger scene, but for all eternity, God with us. See, what makes heaven heaven isn't the streets of gold and the fact there's probably no mosquitoes there. What makes heaven heaven is the fact that God is with us. Face to face face with us. So does any of what I'm saying impact you? Does it change your reality? Does it encourage you? Well, after Jesus told this stuff to Martha, he asked her a question that I'll ask you. Do you believe this? Because if you do, it changes everything. It changes everything if you can say, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. It changes life. It changes death. It changes good days and bad days. It changes your purpose for each day. So as you go out this week, I would love to have you ponder some questions. I've got three of them. Each morning, I'd love you to just look at those three questions and ask yourself, what would you say? What would your answer be? It will probably look different each day simply because your life is different each day. The first one is, how does God's word affect the way you look at death? We're supposed to be good stewards of these bodies that we have, right? And yet they're temporary. God says they're like tents that we're renting out. He's already purchased you a glorified body on the other side of eternity. And I know death seems unnatural to us, but in reality, it's the gate to eternal life. It's the victory for us. 1 Corinthians 15.55, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where in death is your sting? Sting of death is sin. Power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God. He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You do not ever have to fear death. You go from life here through life eternity. Second thing to ponder this week is how does God's word affect you next time you attend a funeral. I've done 14 funerals in the last five months, and I gotta tell you, they have looked very different. Everything from Skyping to 10 people to hundreds of people with no social distancing. So they look different, but there's a big common denominator. People are grieving the loss of a loved one, and their hope is found in the fact that that loved one has received their reward and is in heaven with the Lord. 
we know the words. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In the other services, I've been asking people to put your hand up. I won't ask you. Are you whoever? Whoever. Anyone who believes has eternal life. And then the third thing to ponder this week is how does God's word affect the way you live for the Lord today, in the now, every single day? How does it affect that? Life on earth is temporary, but God has a plan for you. You were handmade for a purpose, a purpose to accomplish. Jeremiah 29, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. God knows the plan. Are you asking him? Are you praying and saying, Lord, how do you want me to live? How do you want me to handle this situation? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to reach out to? Who needs to hear the gospel? Who needs to see me live out the gospel? And do you do it joyfully, knowing that you have won already and that you have eternal life? I end this message with the same verse I started out with. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thanks that you paid the price for our sins. We have a free gift of eternal life through faith in you. Let us not live in fear of death. Thanks for those those Christians that you have blessed us with, those people that we loved, the ones that have gone to their reward. Thanks for those memories and the way they impacted us. We await your call and someday be able to see you face to face. Thanks for the hope and the joy we have in your gospel. Pray these things in your name, Lord. Amen.